Timothy Putnam. I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I, can prepare to live outside the walls. Thanks for joining us today. Got a great show for you. We're talking about a very important topic. We're talking about forgiveness. Oh, it's that word. Yeah, Christmas is upon us. Uh, You probably noticed Christmas is upon us because uh, the bumper music, right? We've had some Christmas music during this season of Advent. I've kind of jumped the gun, but there's not a lot of Advent music out there. There is some, uh, but I wanted to, to bring this CD to you throughout the Advent season, maybe a little bit into the Christmas season. Uh, because there's a personal connection. Uh, this is a CD came out in well Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day, put together by my father. Uh, he's been doing this kind of thing for years and years and years, but this is the first Christmas CD. So it seemed appropriate to use it for uh, for this season in the bumper music. If you liked it, if you want to find it, you can get it on iTunes. You can get it anywhere actually where you can get digital music. But if you want a physical copy, you know, actual CD with uh, the liner notes and everything else, well, then you need to go to wesleyputnam.com, wesleyputnam.com. You can order that there in the store. Uh, probably you're not going to be able to get it by Christmas if you do that because we're it's here. Christmas is upon us. Tomorrow's the first, the fourth Sunday in Advent. And then, uh, then Christmas is right there. I mean, got to be quick. So if you've not yet got your gifts, well, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I've got five kids and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, if you don't get them there, it's, um, it's trouble right here in River City. So uh, then you'll have to be forgiven. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about forgiveness on the show. We've got a friend of mine, uh, Brad Robinson. He is a marriage and family therapist in the Tulsa area. And we're going to talk uh, both about the spiritual, physical, and clinical reasons that it's a good idea to start off this season with a clean slate, having forgiven those who have offended you. We're going to talk about some practical ways to get that done. Uh, It's a touchy topic, certainly, specifically as we're getting closer to the Christmas season where you're going to have to see everyone again and put up with them for anywhere from a couple of hours to a couple of days. So this is a maybe a timely show, uh, maybe someone you can share with, uh, probably not the person who offended you, but maybe you know someone who's dealing with a little bit of unforgiveness. This is a great show to put in their hands. Of course, uh, you they can get the archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. No, really, really, they can. I know that we, that we haven't always been right on top of updating that. Lots going on uh, with our move down to Texas and all, but I will make sure that we have that up and ready uh, real, real quick in a timely manner so you can share this if need be. Let's start our time together, as always, with prayer, with a reading from Scripture, and a reading from church history. To the Lord Jesus Christ, judge of the living and the dead, let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you came to save sinners. Protect us in times of temptation. You will come in glory to be our judge, Show in us your power to save. Help us to keep the precepts of your law with the strength of the Spirit and look forward in love to your coming. You are praised throughout the ages. In your mercy, help us to love devoutly and temperately in this life. 
as we wait in joyful hope for the revelation of your glory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, fill our hearts with your love. As you revealed to us by an angel the coming of your Son as man, so lead us through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection. For he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Of course, we're taking our readings. Uh, we've been doing that quite a bit this Advent season. We're taking our readings from tomorrow, from the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. Today's first reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 5. Thus says the Lord, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose origin is from old, from ancient times. Therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when she who is to give birth is born, and the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. He shall stand firm and shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God, and they shall remain, for now his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth. He shall be peace. That reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 5. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 80. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hearken. From your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth. Rouse your power, and come to save us. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine, and protect what your right hand has planted, the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. May your help Be with the man of your right hand, with the son of man whom you yourself made strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life, and we will call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Today's second reading, because of course this is the Sunday reading, so we have that extra reading before the gospel, uh, comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Brothers and sisters, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In holocausts and sin offerings you took no delight. Then I said, As it is written of me in the scroll, Behold, I come to do your will, O God. First he says, Sacrifice and offerings, holocausts and sin offerings, you neither desired nor delighted in. These are offered according to the law. Then he says, Behold, I come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will we have been consecrated through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. 
That reading comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. That gospel comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Today's reading from church history is going to come from a letter by St. Leo the Great. To speak of our Lord, the Son of the Blessed Virgin Mary, as true and perfect man, is of no value to us if we do not believe that he is descended from the line of ancestors set out in the gospel. Matthew's gospel begins by setting out the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham, and then traces his human descent by bringing us his ancestral line down to his mother's husband, Joseph. On the other hand, Luke traces his parentage back step by step to the actual father of mankind to show that both the first and the last Adam share the same nature. No doubt the Son of God in his omnipotence could have taught and sanctified men by appearing to them in a semblance of human form as he did to the patriarchs and prophets. When, for instance, he engaged in a wrestling contest, or entered into conversation with them, or when he accepted their hospitality and even ate the food they set before him. But these appearances were only types. Signs that mysteriously foretold the coming of one who would take a true human nature from the stock of the patriarchs who had gone before him. No mere figure, then, fulfilled the mystery of our reconciliation with God, ordained from all eternity. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon the Virgin, nor had the power of the Most High overshadowed her, so that within her spotless womb wisdom might build itself a house, and the Word become flesh. The divine nature and the nature of a servant were to be united in one person, so that the creator of time might be born in time, and he through whom all things were made might be brought forth in their midst. For unless the new man, being made in the likeness of sinful flesh, had taken on himself the nature of our first parents, unless he had stooped to be one in substance with his mother while sharing the father's substance, and being alone free from sin, united our nature to his, the whole human race would still be held captive under the dominion of Satan. The conqueror's victory would have profited us nothing if the battle had been fought outside our human condition. But through this wonderful blending, the mystery of new birth shone upon us, so that through the same Spirit by whom Christ was conceived and brought forth, we too might be born again in a spiritual birth. And in consequence, the evangelist declares the faithful to have been born not of blood, nor of the desire of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. That reading comes from a letter by St. Leo the Great, Pope. I tell you, this season, uh, this season is quite an amazing one to, to contemplate, to, to meditate on the idea that God, who is spirit, who is before all things, in whom there is no shadow of turning and no change, nothing at all uh, that could, could change, he subjected himself to the womb. Not merely to being born in a stable, that is humble enough. But think about this, that God who created the whole world allowed himself to be formed from a single cell to, to an embryo, to an infant, nine months gestating in the womb of Mary, humbled himself to the full experience of humanity, not just putting clothes on, putting, putting flesh on as if it were a garment, but rather fully immersing himself in the human experience, fully understanding what it's like to be offended, fully understanding what it's like to be maligned, to be persecuted, to be even crucified. And so here we have someone who understands our weaknesses in every way, the writer of Hebrews says, and yet still remained without sin. Here we have the ability, the uh, through his grace, to share in his divine life. And this means that we have the ability to do what seems to us to be impossible, and that is to forgive. Perhaps even with the word forgiveness, that situation has been brought to your mind. As we continue this show today, as we talk with Brad Robinson, marriage and family therapist out of Tulsa, as we talk about what the scripture says about forgiveness, I encourage you, offer this up even now in prayer. Ask God to give you the ability to hear. Ask him to give you a soft heart so that his will might be done in your life. It would bring you peace and incredible joy. Join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Let me know what you think. You're listening to Outside the Walls. the noise, you men of strife, and hear the angels sing. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Very important topic as we get closer and closer each day to Christmas, where we're going to be probably near family. We're talking today with a friend of mine, Brad Robinson. He is a marriage and family therapist in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, his practice, you can find it at marriagesolutionstulsa.com. He also happens to be the godfather to one of my sons, and I am recently the godfather of his brand new son. So thanks for being on the show today, and congratulations on being a new dad. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Timothy. So, Brad, you primarily are doing marriage therapy, uh, but you are a licensed marriage and family therapist mm -hmm. in the state of Oklahoma. Yes. 
And recently you gained the distinction of being the highest reviewed, the best reviewed counseling service in the state of Oklahoma. So even if you have to drive a little bit, uh, they're worth the drive. You can find out more information about their practice over at marriagesolutionstulsa.com. And today we're talking about forgiveness because it is that time of the year again where we're going to be around our families uh, this Christmas season. And, you know, family being what it is, sometimes we end up with long-standing grudges uh, with maybe that one family member or maybe two or three or maybe all of them. Uh, and yet mm-hmm. here we are, we're, we're going back and we're trying to make the best and thinking, well, maybe this year, maybe this year it'll be different. Uh, and yet, mm-hmm. and yet we expect the, the difference to be made externally, everybody else to be better, everybody else to be, uh, you know, repentant when the issue of forgiveness is more of an internal rather than an external. So talk to us mm-hmm. just a little bit about what the clinical research is saying about a about what unforgiveness does to a person? Yeah, Timothy, that's a great question. What the clinical research shows is that unforgiveness really affects a person's immune system, really affects uh, their overall health, and it's very detrimental to uh, an individual's health. So it really, it's it's uh, like someone has said, you know, unforgiveness is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. And it really shows up physically uh, in us when we have unforgiveness. You know, and really, that, that seems like such a strange concept. But if you think about what stress in general does to the body, and then you take these relationships that were foundational, family relationships yeah. are some of the most foundational elements, and then you yeah. nurse you nurse that that stress and you begin to thrive on that stress and dwell on that stress. And of course, it's going to create not just emotional problems, but really manifest in some very physical ways. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's poison. It is weakening your immune system. And as a result of that, catching uh, cold illnesses, uh, things that are contagious, it's really, it's just detrimental, but it's all controllable. It's all preventable. It's all preventable because forgiveness, uh, you know, our, our culture has just completely lost the concept of will, to do something by an act of the will, to will yourself to do something. And we think that we have to feel like forgiving uh, before we're really, truly able to forgive. We have to see that that person is, is remorseful and sorry, and we've got to get our satisfaction in seeing them grovel before we're able to forgive. And yet that's, that's not the case. So with the caveat, mm-hmm. with the caveat that this is not counseling, uh, because we're on the radio and, and if they need personal counseling, they need to go into a counselor. But let's mm-hmm. say you've got a couple that's nursing a grudge against a family member. What advice generically would you give to them? Well, Timothy, that's a good question. I think most people need to realize, like you're saying, forgiveness is a choice. There's a lot of myths surrounding forgiveness. Uh, because honestly, you don't hear about forgiveness other than uh, church or, uh, you know, going to mass. You don't really hear people talk about you've got to forgive. Uh, forgiveness, honestly, has been a foreign concept even in the field of psychology until maybe uh, the last few decades. Okay. And a lot of that has come from spiritual resources. And so it's really uh, something that hasn't been explored until fairly recently, but there's a lot of myths surrounding forgiveness. 
And one of those myths is that forgiveness is an event. And in reality, it's more of a process. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you said, like when somebody's in pain, they look at, I can't forgive because I'm hurting. Right. And, and we all know that it's a lot easier to forgive and forget something when it's in the past. When that person is no longer a part of your life, you don't have to deal with them. And you're not thinking about it on a regular basis. It's easier just to say, I forgive you. I'm letting it go. No harm, no foul. I'm going with my life. You go on with yours. Uh, and so, but when we have contact with that person, forgiveness is really an ongoing process. And I like what Jesus said when Peter asked, how many times should we forgive? And he said, 77, 70 times seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may be because that person keeps reoffending us, keeps hurting us. Uh, but it's also, I think maybe implies that forgiveness is a process where we still are in pain. We still suffer and we're reminded of it and we still are carrying our cross and forgiving. Yeah. And here it might be a good point to talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Uh, You know, some people think that forgiveness means, oh, well, if I say I forgive you, somehow that negates that it ever happened and it trivializes my, uh, my wounding and my pain. And forgiveness is not treating the event like it never happened. It doesn't mean uh, that the hurt was unimportant or that it didn't happen or that it was insignificant. Rather, forgiveness recognizes the depth Mm -hmm. of the wound. It acknowledges the seriousness of the offense. And then it still chooses to forgive. Uh, Forgiveness is also not the same thing as reconciliation, uh, there, there may be times where reconciliation and forgiveness are part and parcel where you uh, do them at the same time. But if there's a situation that's unhealthy, forgiveness in and of itself doesn't mean that you return back to that relationship uh, where there was not health. Uh, so it could be that in the process of forgiveness, you may have to set up some healthy mm-hmm. boundaries. Uh, and yet forgiveness itself uh, is merely letting go. So I think it's important to remember and important to make the distinction that reconciliation and forgiveness are two distinct concepts. Yeah, absolutely. They really are. Uh, Forgiveness is more about letting the pain and the need for revenge and punishment go. Mm -hmm. That's really what, from a, from a clinical psychological perspective, forgiveness is. Yeah. Anytime that you have a wound Let's say you, you, you broke a leg and then you have to put on a, a cast and you have to then rehabilitate. Well, you've got to do some of those actions to rehabilitate even in the midst of the pain and working through that pain and doing those, those things to bring re- rehabilitation, you get stronger and you get to the place where you, maybe it doesn't come up as often. Maybe the pain isn't quite as strong. But it's through the work that that happens. And it's through the work of forgiveness, even when you're still mad at that person, or maybe even when you still Mm -hmm. are experiencing pain with that person, that you begin Mm -hmm. to find internal healing. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a really a brilliant point. Uh, You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible that's really got me through some hard times is the story of Joseph being betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. And Joseph, I think, uh, really lets us in on how he could forgive. Because once later in the story, towards the end of the book of Genesis, uh, his brothers find out who he is. Oh my gosh, you're second in command to Pharaoh. 
are you going to kill us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill you guys. And I'm paraphrasing the story, but basically I've forgiven you Yeah. and I've let go of my need for revenge and punishment. And this is really insightful what he says. He says, you guys meant it for evil and God meant it for good so that greater good could come out of this. And I think if we can look at it like Joseph does, and it's not easy. I'm not saying this is any of this is easy because when you're in pain, you know, we don't, it, we're in a different place. It's harder uh, when we're suffering to see some of these things. But I think Joseph really revealed something insightful. You know, he said, hey, I know this was meant to bring about greater good because me being here has saved many lives. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can look at some of these events uh, as God bringing about good in our lives, as him working something for us, uh, it's much easier to forgive that person and see them uh, differently in a different light. Mm-hmm. And and that also, Timothy, ties into a psychological principle, a uh, psychological concept called post-traumatic growth. And what that means, what that says is, as you go through something traumatic, you go through betrayal, you go through abandonment, you go through being deserted, you go through being, being lied about, you go through being abused, and on and on and on, all these horrific, horrible, disgusting things that happen to people. And um, what's really neat about that is we're designed, just like Joseph was, uh, we're designed for post-traumatic growth, where the norm is actually to get better, to get stronger, to bounce back, to be more resilient. And obviously some of those things can take a toll on us, but the norm is to um, be stronger and for good to come out of it. That's really the norm. And sometimes we don't see the whole story. We're still in, you know, it's a three, there's three parts, three acts to this movie and we're still in the beginning. We're still, we're in the middle. We haven't got resolution yet on it. And, And of course when we're in pain, uh, it's, it's hard to see that. And, uh, and we've all been there. We've all been hurt. We've all been in pain. And when we're in pain, it's hard to trust God that he's bringing something good out of this. Mm-hmm. And, and of course he always does. You know, sometimes we just haven't seen it yet. Well, forgiveness is always a, a touchy topic, but maybe as we've been talking, maybe the Holy Spirit has been bringing someone to your mind. Maybe there's some offense that immediately comes to mind when we bring up the topic of forgiveness. And maybe it just kind of locks you in that anger and that, that maybe even a little bit of fear of what God may be asking you to do. Well, we're going to talk about how to approach forgiveness here in the next segment. As always, you can join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. We want to know what you think. Come on over. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking today about forgiveness. Difficult concept, difficult thing to do. 
but the results are worthwhile. We're talking today with a friend of mine, Brad Robinson. He's a marriage and family therapist in the state of Oklahoma. You can find more information about his practice at marriagesolutionstulsa.com. Brad, thanks again for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Timothy. So we've been talking about what forgiveness, uh, what unforgiveness does to us. We've been talking about the importance of it. Uh, we've been talking about the, the psychological research that's out there, the clinical research. Uh, but now you've got a person, you've got a, maybe an individual or a family member who has been dealing with unforgiveness for a long time. They've held a grudge against that one family member who did that one thing. And maybe it was a massive thing, right? It could have been a very serious offense, and we've told yeah. them that it's very important to forgive, uh, but they don't know where yeah. to begin. How, how, does, yeah. how does a person who has been dealing with pain, been dealing with ongoing pain uh, and trauma, perhaps even, begin to approach the topic of forgiveness? Yeah, Timothy, that's a great question. I think people begin to forgive once they realize how they're holding themselves back. You know, sometimes we can forgive as an automatic response, and that's fantastic. Other times, there, and usually when we have trouble forgiving, it's a very deep wound. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult thing to get over. It's not just somebody was rude or right. somebody uh, said something offensive. It is a, a deep emotional wound, and naturally we struggle with that more than lesser offenses. You know, when we're younger— we're told to forgive, we're taught to forgive, but I think that we experience it as something that we do on behalf and for the benefit of the other. Uh, we forgive that person because they feel bad and so we want them to, to be forgiven. And that's, you know, when you're dealing with a five-year-old, you can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you get into these more complex things and, and we have to shift our thinking from, hey, I need to forgive you for your benefit to the idea of, hey, I need to forgive you for my benefit. And that may be a hard shift to make. Yeah. Timothy, one of the best ways to forgive, and this is not easy, but one of the best ways to forgive is honestly to look in the mirror. And because we get trapped when we blame. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, let me be careful, because I know this is hard for some people to hear, because it's not, across the board. It's not true in every case. Right. So I need to say that out. But um, what makes it hard to forgive at times is really because we are still stuck in blaming mm -hmm. and we haven't taken responsibility for ourselves. And obviously if somebody's been sexually abused or sexually assaulted, those sorts of horrible disasters Right. And, uh, there's no responsibility that somebody can take for that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just inexcusable monster actions, disaster, horrific things on somebody's other people, you know, somebody else's part. Right. Uh, other categories of offenses, though, sometimes we have a role in that. Sometimes we played something, a role in that. And and I can't determine and say that's every case because obviously we just came up with a handful of reasons and times when it's not. But one of the best ways to forgive is to be honest with yourself and ask, am I still stuck in blaming? And am I blaming because I really haven't taken responsibility for my role in the situation? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it's a failed business relationship, okay, what did I do wrong here? 
you know, I'm over here still blaming Charlie for this going wrong and, and us, you know, having this disaster. Uh, but what did I do that put us here? And really just looking in the mirror and just letting yourself know you're responsible. You know, you're not responsible for what happened, but you are responsible for picking yourself up and, and moving forward. I think that's a healthy attitude to have. Yeah. And, you know, and that's hard to say. And I can say that cause I'm on the radio and I'm not looking anybody in the face, <laughs> but you know, but that's honestly, that's, that's not every case. That's not every situation, but that would help a lot of people because there are a lot of situations though, where we do need to be able to really realize, you know, I'm blaming way too much. I have a role in this. And sometimes that's a failed marriage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's in children who no longer want anything to do with you. You know, different things like that. We really have to put our ego on the shelf and begin to take responsibility for our own actions. And sometimes not forgiving somebody is continuing to blame somebody as a way to avoid taking responsibility. It's a way to continue to make excuses for why we're at where we're at. And so that's one way. And another way is really to write them a letter and express your forgiveness to them in that letter and not send them the letter. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the important part right there, because <laughs> depending on the contents of the letter, it may not help the, uh, the relationship toward reconciliation to actually send the letter. Yeah, it's yeah. Most of these letters, because anger gets expressed, frustration gets expressed. Uh, we're really saying some things that are we're speaking from a place of hurt, typically. Mm-hmm. And I know when I'm hurt, I can be cruel. I can be mean. I can be brutally honest. And, uh, so this is a letter that we don't send and some people find it that it's helpful to burn the letter as a oh. symbol of closure. And so you're kind of saying this is, and you, again, like I mentioned earlier, my English Christ taught you forgive 70 times seven. Right. And so this may be a process. And of course, as we're, as we have that person in our life, as there's, as how it depends on how fresh the wound is, how much hurt there is, the process we go through, but we're going through it and we're honoring God. We're carrying our cross and, uh, we are freeing ourselves from the, the pain and the, uh, the poison that yeah. unforgiveness brings into our own life. Yeah. And you know, we, we so often, we get in these cycles of unforgiveness. Well, I'm not going to forgive until that person does their thing. And they're saying the exact same thing. And so we end up having these battles of pride where neither Mm -hmm. person wants to give in. Right. And yet, Mm -hmm. you know, Christ calls us and we, we see in the scripture, two different uh, pictures of this one where he says, if you know that your brother has anything against you, you go and reconcile first to your brother and then come offer your gift at the altar. And then there's Mm -hmm. another one that uh, another section where there's a very similar quotation, except it says, if you have anything against your brother, go to your brother and forgive. So both ways, Christ never lets uh, the person off the hook as to who is responsible, whether you're the one who created the offense or whether you're the one who's the recipient of the offense, you are still the Mm -hmm. one who is required who is instructed, who is encouraged by Christ to go and make reconciliation or, or at least 
you know, there, there's sometimes where the relationship is never going to be, be what it was. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you might have to create boundaries for the, the sake of, uh, of yourself, of your spirit and for them. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and yet you still, you can't stew in your unforgiveness. You can't let bitterness begin to be a core value of your life. Yeah. 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 Timothy, that's important because when we stew in un- unforgiveness and bitterness, we are trapped in victimhood. We no longer grow from it. And again, it's a horrible, many times uncontrollable event that happens to us, but we, uh, there's no learning from it. There's no growth from it uh, when we don't forgive. And when we forgive, it's a difficult process to forgive, but it's a learning process. It's a growth process. And it really helps us become uh, more Christ-like when we can, because, and it's not, it's the process we have to go to go through to truly forgive. Yeah. Like, you know, it, like I talked about earlier, usually people think of forgiveness as an event. It's really a process, especially when you have a major, a major offense that's happened to you. And when you can forgive, um, it's the process you go through that makes you Christ-like. It's not just saying the words, I forgive you. Yeah. It's, it's meaning true forgiveness. And there are two, 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 two totally different things. You can have this cheap forgiveness. I forgive you. I've forgiven them. Uh, but you still do hang on to bitterness and resentment. And then there's a deeper work of, okay, I'm really going to get, I'm really going to let this bitterness, this resentment go and my, uh, need to punish you for this. Yeah. And there, I think there's totally different things without question. You know, one is the deep work that says, I'm going to root out every trace of, of anger and of a desire for revenge that I have. And I'm going to, I'm going to continually turn that over to God. And the other is just a, a snide. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I forgive. Sure. I forgive you. But then it's kind of like putting a bandaid on a deep wound and it just creates, uh, creates an infection. It festers. It creates uh, all kinds of other problems. And when bitterness sets in, uh, because we just kind of gloss over the situation and don't really deal with the, the real issue and let go of the real issue. That's when we encounter the extra stress and we encounter the, uh, the health issues and it basically eats our soul from the inside out. You know, it's, it is that poison. And so I encourage you to do the deep work of forgiveness. Well, Brad, thank you for joining us. I know you've got to run, but thank you for your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation, taking a little bit different look at it. We're going to look at some of what Christ demands of us in the New Testament regarding forgiveness, regarding how how we forgive others affects how we'll be forgiven. If you've missed any part of this conversation, it's going to be archived. You can catch it over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Join the conversation on Facebook, Facebook.com slash walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. It's a big topic, and your voice is appreciated. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls here as we approach the last week of Advent, Christmas is right around the corner. 
we're talking about the subject of forgiveness. Of course, this is a topic that is somewhat appropriate for the season as Christ's incarnation, him coming in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, was to bring about our forgiveness, to reconcile us with God, so much to the point that Paul calls us ministers of reconciliation, that we are the ambassadors of Christ to remind the whole world that God desired relationship with us so much that he sacrificed himself to restore that relationship. You know, as we are becoming more and more Christ-like, as we pursue virtue and seek to be more like Christ, that's something that sometimes we have to do, to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of reconciliation. Now, of course, we're not talking about those those extreme situations where there has been physical or sexual or emotional abuse. We're talking about just an offense, yeah? And there's plenty of those to go around, right? Uh, there's a whole different set of um, principles when we're talking about those kinds of traumatic events. And yes, forgiveness is still required of that person, but reconciliation isn't always required in those situations. But let's talk about the basics. Someone has offended us, perhaps quite deeply. Uh, Perhaps they have said things that they shouldn't have said. They have impugned our reputation. They have uh, been ungrateful. They've been any number of other things that, that have betrayed our goodwill toward them and have created a situation of deep pain. Well, Christ is calling us, as he called his disciples, to take up their crosses, to take up our crosses, and to follow Christ. Now, we've talked a little bit about what unforgiveness does on the physical uh, expression. It talks about how it, it actually affects our health. But let's talk a little bit in this last segment about what unforgiveness does to our spirits. When, uh, when Jesus told his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, he said, This then is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you're like, why are you talking about this? Oh, it's important. It's important. Listen. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what we know, and we we pray that. But the, the passage goes on. Jesus didn't stop there. He continued talking to his disciples, and he said this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that's a, some pretty heavy uh, consequences. Jesus, it seems, was pretty serious about our forgiving those who wrong us and put some strong conditions on forgiving us, tying our own forgiveness to the way that we forgive. One of uh, the, the way that we say it in Mass, of course, uh, this was a different translation in the scripture, but it says, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. That as uh, is not so much a connotation of time as if they're coinciding at the same time. You forgive us as we're over here forgiving someone else. It, rather, it has the connotation of in the same way. 
Forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive those who sin against us. And so we here we have a situation where if I hold on to bitterness, then I am not allowing myself to receive the forgiveness that God has freely given. The whole purpose of Christ coming at Christmas, the whole purpose of the incarnation was to give us forgiveness and to put us in relationship with God. And if I refuse to be, to be a person of reconciliation, if I refuse to seek uh, forgiveness and to offer forgiveness to those who I am in relationship with, then I endanger my own forgiveness from God. This is a very serious situation. And so I want to encourage you uh, to forgive. And it's hard. But remember, forgiveness is not saying it didn't matter. It's not saying it didn't happen. It's just releasing my right to be angry toward a person for the wrong they committed and then releasing the outcome to God, whatever that is, to seek peace at, at all times as much as is possible to live at peace with those around me. This is the call that we have to answer. Am I going to forgive? So this was something that was given to me some time ago, and I want to give it to you as well. Just a little formula for forgiveness. It's a little template that I've found useful. You just imagine the person in the room with you, and you address that person by name out loud. This helps if you're alone. And say, name, right, whoever that is. You hurt me very deeply when you fill in the blank. But by an act of my will, I choose to forgive you for fill in the blank. And then God, would you forgive me for holding on to this offense for so long and help me to walk in the freedom that true forgiveness offers me? I want to encourage you. I'll put that up on social media, that little formula there. I want to encourage you as the Holy Spirit brings names to you this week to settle to sit down, maybe write that letter and burn it, do whatever you need to do, walk through forgiving those who have offended you. And as you let go of those pains and those hurts, enter into the full joy that we are offered here in this Christmas season. That's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming and podcast. By prophets long foretold When with the ever-circling years Comes around the age of gold When peace shall over all the earth It's ancient splendors And the whole earth give back the song which now the angels May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.